Greetings, my fellow Wayfarers on this road of life. Welcome back to the Wayfarer Podcast. Today's chapter today comes from Exodus, the 21st chapter. It's entitled, An Accomplice to Change. And the verse I picked out from today's chapter is the second one, which says, When you buy a male Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years. But in the seventh, he shall go out a free person without debt. Now, slavery has always been part of the human social equation, though it has taken various forms in different periods of history. If you think, by the way, that slavery is a thing of the past, then you need to get to know organizations like International Justice Mission, which you can find at ijm.org, an amazing outfit that Wendy and I have supported financially for many years. I find it a little bit ironic, or perhaps it's God's synchronicity, that I happen to be reading through Exodus and grappling with these texts at the same time that we are having a massive social conversation about America's history with slavery and the continued repercussions of race issues that it's created and continue to plague us today. You know, Wendy and I have been having ongoing daily conversations about our roles and our responsibilities to make a positive difference. Over coffee this morning, Wendy shared that she heard someone mention that about being an accomplice to change, to positive change, which we differentiated from being an ally to change. We want to do more than just agree that something needs to change. We want to act and be part of the solution. We want to be accomplices to change. So here's the question, how do I, as a 21st century follower of Jesus, relate to today's chapter, which is an ancient Hebrew text that's basically a code of law dealing with specific instances of slavery from 3,500 years ago? I mean, how can this possibly relate to my life today? Well, I've got a couple of thoughts. First, um, it definitely provides me with context. Now, slavery was not invented by Dutch traders kidnapping and sailing Africans to America to be sold. As I mentioned in the outset of the post today, slavery has always been part of the human societal equation. And what the European, American, Indian, and Arab slave trade did with Africans was particularly heinous compared to slavery that we read about in today's text. Throughout the Near East, Mesopotamia, Babylon, Egypt, uh, life was particularly harsh back at the time of the Exodus. And human human existence was largely a fight just for survival. The clan, the tribe, the community were essential for safety, protection, and provision for the individual. Now, it's hard for me as a rugged individualist in America to even relate to a world in which the tribe was more important than me as an individual, and a world in which human life was viewed as economic capital, producing children, especially sons who could work, fight, and protect, was one of the most critical components to survival of your family and your community. The more men you had, the better your odds were of surviving against other tribes bent on killing you, taking everything you had, including your children to become their slaves or your women to produce more men for their tribe. Now, because humans were the capital in the economy, 
debts could be paid and collected even within your own tribe or people group by using your own life or the lives of your family members. You worked off your debt by becoming a slave to the person you owed money. Life, or more particularly work and service, was a form of currency. Working for my creditor or giving a family member over to work for the creditor was part of the economy in that day, and that's how slavery was viewed. Now, another important piece of the context for me is that through much of history, forms of slavery were legitimate forms of lifelong protection and provision that some individuals chose into. In today's chapter, the Hebrew Code of Law allowed for individuals who said, and this is the quote from the text, who said, I love my master and would choose to remain in service as a slave. The individual chose that service to his master in return receiving provision, protection, security, keeping the family together for life. Now, please don't read what I'm not writing or hear what I'm not saying. I'm not making excuses for, nor am I saying that it, 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 his, it's history, the history of slavery makes it okay or acceptable. I'm simply saying that I believe I must understand and accept that slavery was part of daily Hebrew life and survival in 1500 BC. It's all they knew. Now, the second lesson for me from today's chapter is that God called his people to do better and to do more. If you had a person in your service because they owed you a debt, you were expected to free that person and forgive the debt in the seventh year, no matter what size the debt was. And by the way, that number is significant. Seven in the great stories always relates to completion. Seven days of creation, the series of seven plagues prophesied in Revelation. It's, always, it's kind of God's number for completion. So this code went further than any other legal code we know about from that time. God expected his people to do better than those around them, to forgive debt, to free people who owed you. Now, this is the root of what Jesus brought to fruition when he called on me as his follower to look beyond the letter of God's law. Murder isn't just about killing a body. It's also about murdering a person's esteem and their soul when you call them names. Adultery isn't just about sexual intercourse with someone who isn't your spouse. It's about letting your appetite for lust view another person as an object on which to indulge your sexual cravings. Finally, I find that there's a piece of what theologians call free will in all this. I find it fascinating. God allowed for Hebrew society to operate like all the human societies who were living and surviving east of Eden during that time. What God instructed from his people was that they could do better than those around them. They were called by God to a higher standard of behavior and relationship. And I can't help but think of the abolitionist movement in Britain and the United States that was motivated by Christ followers who refused to accept slavery as a part of the human societal equation and instilled in their day that we have to do better. We have to change. In Jesus' words, we have to do more than what's expected. 
We have to walk the extra mile. We have to love our enemy. We have to bless those who curse us. We need to pray for those who persecute us and show by our love-motivated actions that there is a better way. So in the quiet this morning, this takes me full circle back to Wendy's comments over coffee. As a follower of Jesus, I am called to be more than an ally for justice. I am to be an accomplice in showing others by love in action that we can do better. We can do better in this community, in this state, in this country, and in this world. Have a great day, my friend. God bless you. 